Welcome everyone to the B2B C-Suite Marketing Perspectives Podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we've got a really interesting conversation with Bruno Tremoli. And Bruno, you're a CMO in the company. You've had a, a really interesting background from software development and sales all the way up. And I want to ask you to tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, but what we're going to be talking about is something that you're steeped in right now. A big transformation from a company, taking it from a company that, you know, is at one level in terms of how they're marketing and selling to a whole new level. And it's all about how do you manage that transformation? But if you could maybe tell us a little bit more about you and your background and then the, the job that you're, you're doing right now. Thank you, Steve. So first of all, you know, thank you for having me. Really uh, glad to, uh, to be invited here. We had some, you know, really great discussion and looking forward to uh, our discussion today. So a little bit of background indeed. Um, so I'm a software engineer by trade, actually. Uh, I uh, went to uh, an engineering school, actually, in France. Uh, learned the trades of software development, was, uh, was hired and, uh, by a software company in the B2B space. It was really entrenched in implementing the software, supporting customers, uh, developing some new capabilities. Uh, but eventually what happened is I really got very uh, engaged uh, with customers and really liked the interaction and sort of the art of not just solving the problem, but of presenting new capabilities and new things that we could adopt in the software to make a greater back in their business. And that's how I started to dabble with pre-sales and eventually a full-on sales job. So that was my entry point in, you know, carrying quota, uh, being, you know, challenged uh, quarter after quarter, year after year in, in meeting quota and, and, and driving growth. Uh, and eventually, I would say, I kind of moved into a worldwide role to kind of help enable, help message a position. Uh, the capabilities, and that's how I entered marketing through the angle of product marketing. I then had an opportunity to grow into different areas of marketing, from customer marketing to corporate marketing, field marketing, uh, corporate communications, relations, uh, and eventually, you know, I, I, I took on a full-on you know, marketing executive job. Uh, but I think today I uh, am hopefully using this background as a little bit of a secret weapon to make sure I uh, know how to engage, also challenge, you know, our product team, our sales team, our customer success team, actually, too, uh, to, again, collaborate and, and drive impact together. Well, that's an interesting background because uh, I don't have a sales background. Most of the community of CMOs that are watching here, we don't have sales background, right? But we're tasked every single day with making sure we're aligned with sales and we're, we're deep into the pipeline penetration and beyond in, in customer marketing and all of that. So, but tell us specifically right now, scope out kind of the transformation that you're going through. And then we're going to start to talk about your philosophy on, on what's important in that transformation and how do you make that transformation successfully? Yeah. So I took on a, uh, the CMO role here at uh, Litera, which is a B2B software firm in the legal space, uh, back in uh, back in February. I think maybe I can ground the reason, you know, I, I took on the role. I, I was seeing kind of different things. First off, it's always about the people. So the, the, the leadership team, 
starting with the CEO and, and the rest of the leadership team, really close uh, affinity here. Uh, second, it was about, I would say, the, the opportunity itself, the market opportunity and market fit. Uh, as you know, some people may not know, the, the legal industry is not known for being, you know, at the forefront of technology adoption. So all the things that we've seen in other industries, as far as digital transformation and other, you know, technology and shift to cloud and risk management, you know, all those kind of things are kind of making their way into the legal space right now. But interestingly, you know, with the advent of, uh, you know, AI, mostly generative AI, very focused on content, you know, this um, movement and this sort of technology revolution is really taking the legal industry uh, by like a storm, basically. It's like a perfect storm. You know, on one hand, there were those things that were kind of maybe put on the back burner to transform. On the other hand, there is generative AI and, and legal the legal space is very focused on content. So the convergence of that made, you know, an interesting dynamic where the market cannot stand still. There's going to be movement. There's going to be, uh, obviously, uh, uh, companies that really make uh, strong inroads. And I think, you know, uh, Litera is really well positioned to uh, not only stay a leader, but, you know, gain even some market share and, and great position in some market segments. And then the last piece, which kind of relates to, to your question, was the transformation. It was a real uh, transformation, I would say, job uh, in the sense that the company had, had, had grown, you know, for the past uh, 25 years, uh, leaps and bounds, especially in the last two years, more than 12 acquisitions. And so there is a point in time where, you know, you really need to digest, make sure you have the right people, the right processes, uh, frankly, the right sort of overall marketing engine in place to not only keep the growth going, but sustain and amplify uh, the growth. And so the combination of those three, the people aspect, uh, the market uh, fit and sort of the market uh, dynamics, along with the transformation assignment made it for a real uh, interesting assignment. So the, the way I, I kind of looked at the transformation, I kind of hinted here a little bit is I really look at it as, I mean, first and foremost is the people, you know, do we have the right people on the team? Uh, are we covering the right functional areas? Do we have the right leader? Because in a company that's growing so fast, you're going to need people that can, and leaders also that, you know, are not afraid of the unknown, uh, can be stretched uh, at time, you know, going in. In, in some areas where they may not know everything, but let's build it kind of together. And so you need really the, the right uh, mix in terms of leader and in terms of the skill sets to just support the day-to-day uh, the -day, uh, job and the scaling. So the people side was really interesting. And then I look at marketing. Uh, it may be my engineering background. I mean, it has to be an engine. And, and when I look at the engine here, I could see kind of three work stream that had to be addressed. One was at the top, you know, the messaging, the positioning, uh, and that's not just the branding at the company level, but really embracing value-based messaging, trying to angle more of the content and demand generation towards personas, new persona, business personas that may not speak the jargon of software, but really are speaking value uh, and, and need to be uh, really convinced of, uh, of the value and then you can present them the software capability right after. So the messaging, really, really key. In the middle, one thing I was seeing is the sort of two things around demand generation in general. 
one, the need to kind of bring a little bit more glue uh, between all the tactics we were doing. Those tactics were not random acts of marketing. I will not go as far, but those tactics still were not really 100% stitched together. I mean, we had some great events. Uh, the legal industry is, is an interesting uh, industry because there's a lot of face-to-face -face and sort of affinity for meeting at events and, and digging into the technologies and things like that. So event is always and, and will always be a big part of the marketing mix. But how do we stitch event with uh, email nurture stream? How do we bridge towards webinar? I mean, how do we come up with really a set of cohesive tactics that become a you know, program and the program campaign? So we had to instill that. And then the other interesting thing is Itura is a company that has enjoyed really a very strong track record um, or target account base is about 800 accounts. Uh, that's first and foremost sort of the top accounts we really want to focus on. And um, across those 800 accounts, we may have, you know, footprint in maybe 80 to 90%, but it's footprint in some maybe departmental area, maybe we're not really as pervasive as we want to be. So ABM and, and sort of spinning up ABM and thinking about it both tactically and strategically was really an important premise. So that's my second layer of the transformation, uh, sort of the, the go-to-market engine and the, the motion to uh, stitch programs together as campaigns and at the same time spin up ABM. And then the last but not least, uh, we were missing and we're still building up um, an analytics. I'm an engineer again by trade. I like decisions to ground it in data uh, so that you can, you know, measure, you can optimize, you can improve, maybe even benchmark yourself against, you know, a competitor or against industry benchmark. Uh, we're still moving along that journey, but uh, building up a robust set of analytics uh, so that we can do that and also uh, meet our goal. I mean, ultimately, uh, our goal is to, you know, contribute to a share of the uh, net new business uh, at the company. And, and I need to monitor and manage to that. I'm tired. That's a lot you're responsible for. So a number of things in there, but one of the one of the big things that I think is kind of overarching around this transformation is the idea of going from a company that didn't have an ABM sales model to a company that does have an ABM sales model, right? That's a less transactional sales model to a, you know, a longer term relationship building, building trust, building expertise, right? And that's not an easy thing to do. Right. And that requires quite a bit of the organization um, and working together in alignment around that and training uh, around all of that. Tell me just a little bit about maybe how you you think about marketing's role in, in the chief marketing officer and aligning with sales in an ABM world. Right. Yes. And, and what priorities that places on, on that team, that effort between marketing and sales? Yeah. Well, I have sort of two, maybe a couple of answers to this. There's sort of the, the Nirvana to be states. Uh, frankly, we're not 20% there yet, but as we enter FY24 planning and really look at FY24, this will be the time we, we sort of make an incremental uh, shift here. And actually one, one fun fact, as I, 
started ABM sort of two companies ago. We actually made a point to not call it ABM. Uh, we call it ABX because as soon as you say and people have a perception, okay, it's marketing and good or bad doesn't really matter, but because there's marketing in there, people think it's marketing led. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe we are conducting and beating the drum and calling the cadence. And yeah, the day it's a team sport. It's a team sport between right. marketing and sales, marketing, customer success, wherever the BDRs are, whether they are in sales or marketing or other areas, it's with BDRs, you know, it's maybe even with, uh, with some elements of, you know, customer support, if the customer support is not under, uh, customer success. So I'm really thinking about it, like an account based everything. And I really like, uh, to really instill. Uh, not only just a, a, a rigor when it comes to the IBM one-to-one. -one. I mean, for me, there's the IBM one-to-one, -one, the IBM one-to-few and the one-to-many. I can come back to that. But in the IBM one-to-one, -one, you know, the table stake is for me what I call the one-room exercise where you bring those people from the different parties together and you talk about the game plan on the account. And frankly, an account coming in, it can come in through marketing activation. It can come in because we have an account executive that has a relationship with a senior executive there and sort of want to do more than just calling that person and want to have a bit of a surround approach, you know, around the account. It could be many different reasons, but that wall room exercise where we go into account planning. And again, I love account planning from a sales standpoint, but we go beyond. We need to really look at what's the best product, what's the best fit. Is there a specific messaging? Is there a specific compelling event in the account that we need to leverage any, you know, anything that made the news in terms of their next year planning, the kind of strategic objective and thing. We really try to look at it holistically and bring all the parties together so that then we stitch together the plan and, and the plan involves swim lanes with different kinds of content, with different kinds of people. That's really, I think, the ABC of the one-to-ones uh, account-based marketing in my book. So by standard, bringing all parties together at the table to agree on the plan, stitch the plan together, and starting to coordinate uh, actions. So that's for me the, the sort of ground and, and the base rule. So this is where we are today in our transformation. We have an ABM one-to-one model that's starting to yield impact on the pipeline. You know, key success for us is having meetings. Okay. Obviously the key success is closing deals. I've, I've right. no problems with that. I mean, yes, it's exactly what we measure, but the key measure of a Navian program for us is being able to open the door and have a meeting where we can discuss with executives about our capabilities and our solutions. So we, we started to trend well and measure, you know, against our goal and, and scale it. And that's great. The next level, if you were to ask me, is to start going into the one to few and the, and the one to many. And here, for having done it uh, at least three, four times already in my career, the, the way I'm looking at it is thinking about it as, as an engine. Again, I'm thinking about the one to many fuels, the one to few, the one to few fuels, uh, the one to one. And in the one to many, what I really like in terms of approach is being persona-based streams of engagement. And in my playbook, uh, you need one, which I call the door opener. So can you go to a key buyer persona, most of the time, a senior executive, and open the door and say, hey, not only you have a problem, 
but here also body point of view, here all customer success story, here are sort of not exactly litera, but litera-ish. You know, we're always behind the scene pieces of content, assets, and engagement that can show you you have a problem and you need to start looking at a solution. And guess what? There is a solution out there. So that's my door opener. And then the door opener feed, feeds into the why. Why Litera? Why, why are we better than anything else on the market? So then the discussion becomes more about, you know, how fast we can implement our market leadership or market leading capability or all the things related to you know, the, the great assets that we have as a software and all the surround services sort of make up uh, for a solution. Once you have that at the top, then you can do really interesting things because you can look at, you know, mass customization. You can look at technologies, you know, like web personalization technologies, like Sixth Sense and Genbase to look at intent and account profiling and all these things. But to me, you kind of need to tackle it through instant rigor thoughtfulness and awareness from the one-to-one -one angle, create an engine coming from the top, and then you kind of build it up towards just You know, one of the things that you said at the very beginning was about the transformation that you were making and that you had acquired all these different companies, right? And so literally there was different brands and go-to-market strategies that were coming under one. And that's not unlike the typical company where there's extensions to your platform, right? There's new products that you're rolling out, new services you're rolling out, right? You're, you're constantly transforming the offering of the company. But what this did is this forced you, right? Because in a typical company, it's not always looked that way. You know, it's looked as, as incremental um, versus you had to rethink really how all these pieces together created a new whole. And I think that's incredible learning for everybody that's listening in right now, because you're constantly, we're, we're always constantly changing really, you know, what we offer and, and who we are. Mm -hmm. And, and that evolves and technology yes. evolves, the space evolves, the needs evolve, right? So what you're doing is something that we all need to do, but we're not required to, because as a company, we're not thinking where the, there's this line in the sand, all these acquisitions, let's do something. So we lose sight of the fact that we have to go through the process that you're doing right now. Yes. And, and I can tell you actually a couple of uh, maybe interesting, interesting stories. So we, we kind of knew, I would say, let me give you the sort of inside out and outside in uh, perspective. So in got not just because there were a number of new ENT members on, on, on staff, but because again, just the, the amount of acquisition we did that we had to kind of digest uh, this and, and, and make sure we rationalize it just even for ourselves, you know, who we are, what our values, you know, what is our mission to kind of re-inject uh, a little bit of a oomph, you know, into the uh, internal organization and, and rally people behind, you know, the value, the mission of the company, et cetera. So we, 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 we kind of knew that, I would say, in, in our gut. But what is very interesting is we, we, we started to get, I would say, and it was last year. Um, and again, this is what I, what I heard from the team. We started to get a little bit of a negative vibe, even from the customer base saying, look, we get it. You are a leader, but, but you kind of acquire a bunch of things and we cannot make sense out of it yet. And as a customer, we're kind of afraid that 
you are maybe getting too distracted or maybe you're diluting, you know, some of the value of your key asset, you know, help us rationalize it. So that's mm -hmm. like last year. Uh, this year, obviously, we, we, we did this free messaging, et cetera. And part of this exercise was to present top down, you know, mission, vision, value, and, and going to uh, even the, the portfolio structure, how we present our product. And this was the first time we came with a rational approach by Peters. Uh, we have an approach where the, even the product naming starting to be aligned, homogeneous icons, uh, homogeneous rendering. And we started to do a roadshow. CEO did a roadshow and so did a few LT members and getting really good, very good feedback. I was in a meeting in LA uh, with a long time customers. I think the customer was at least seven to eight years. And when we showed what I called the placemat slide, we had two versions. We had sort of a Peter version and a version mat to their department. It was the aha moment. It was amazing to see. It was like, it was like, oh, I got it. Light bulb goes off. I'm here, but I didn't know that you had all these other things. And that was for me as a marketing, both infuriating and exciting, infuriating because you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, we had some of those pieces for so many years, but let's forget about that. Exciting is like, now they got to see it. Now they are excited. Now we can open doors towards more development. Now, fast forward, that was uh, around the months of March. We just had in the industry, the legal industry, there is a very big trade show happening at the end of August. We intentionally printed, laminated, views of, of this placemat, as I call it. And we had a lot of one-to-one -one meeting. Most of our customer took it, brought it back home. They wanted to see it. They digested it. They appreciated it mm -hmm. because to them, finally, all the string acquisition we did made sense. Not only that, but they were seeing where they were and kind of the realm of possibilities around. And that's what every company's needed to do, right? We, we all have a number of things. We're not one-trick ponies, right? So we all have a number of things in ways that we can help, but you can't just come into the conversation or start a new conversation saying, look at everything we can do, right? And you and I, before we hit the record button, we had a, a really good conversation about opening doors and thought leadership and, and what that means for the company. And and this transition to this ABS world, right, um, that, you're, that you're doing now, tell us a little bit about the importance of thought leadership and how you're thinking about it and the role in the company. Yes. So I would say the, the first thing for me, kind of table stake is, again, the position of the Litera, the company I work for, Litera is, if you look at it by the numbers game, you know, a leader, a key player in the market. Uh, and frankly, we had to kind of reignite uh, the soft leadership engine. Why? Because if you are, again, recognized as a leader, you need to act as a leader uh, in the market, you know, be in the press, starting to think about some specific challenges and problems and opportunity in the industry. So it's sort of a table stake, I think, for some company. If, again, the numbers show you are a leader, you better have some of that in common, almost regardless. So that's point number one. Point number two is I really believe you know, in the engagement that thought leadership can bring at the top of the funnel. You know, you, you showed me, Steve, a lot of statistics, you know, whether it's half of the journey, whether it's, you know, maybe two thirds of the journey, we know that any sophisticated buyer, which frankly, a lot of us are dealing with when we do B2B software marketing, 
we'll do a lot of self-discovery. And, and across those self-discovery, they will stumble upon peace. And in my opinion, this is a differentiative piece because it kind of tickles your mind, sort of lays out some interesting thoughts that are honestly super grounded in bits and bytes and capability. I love bits and bytes and capabilities, but sometimes you kind of need to step back and open door to a new way of thinking. Again, we want to challenge the status quo, and I think it's really a key part of the content mix. So that's point number two. But I, I found out, especially in the midst of a transformation, uh, that, that it could serve, you know, additional uh, objective, I would say. First off, as I mentioned, we were starting to move away from just selling products and capability to selling value. And as you want to do that, uh, I would say most likely you're going to go up, you know, the executive ladder, if I may say. And as you go up the executive ladder, you need to have contacts, you know, that can engage uh, those kind of people. And it's not necessarily engage on an ad or something, but engage even, even after a meeting. You know, you have a good discovery meeting with a CXO. You want to have a good leave behind. Well, maybe you don't leave, you know, the product data sheet. Not that I have any qualms about that, but I hope you, you get the point. You may want to leave a thought leadership piece that will keep them thinking and, and, and going on this problem. So I think the, the shift to value-based sending really put the spotlight on top leadership, not just as, oh, it's something there. It's a pool of content that's very operational and fits the engine. <laughs> and then, so that's point number three. And then point number four, which I, I think it's very uh, important. If I go back to my ABM analogy, I need a door opener. I need a door opener for some specific persona. I've tested a bunch of things in my career. I can tell you the best door opener or customer success story external point of view that can be from, you know, analyst, journalist, thought leader, and your own thought leadership. This is the thing that sticks uh, the most, frankly. Uh, and even sometimes the thought leadership formatted in video format, actually, formatted in like a short, you know, base video that then post points to maybe a more full-fledged uh, kind of document with more research uh, and more data. So I think those four things, in my opinion, points to the fact that it's just doing it for the sake of doing it. Uh, it it's uh, doing it to really feed the overall uh, engine, feed the overall good to market. Uh, and there is, you know, tangible and, and even tactical impact into it. Yeah, you know, there's, uh, and I'm, I ripped this off from Fortune, an article that I read, but it's, it's kind of my motto, my mantra now, is that it said content marketing solves problems Thought leadership sparks conversations. Mm -hmm. And in this world, right, where buyers are doing their research and making their decision all the way down to who's on my short list before they ever want to talk to you, you have to get earlier in that conversation with them, that decision-making process, that buyer's journey, right? And you're not going to do it with product, right? You're going to do it because you're helping, you're educating, you're advising, you're giving them perspective that they didn't have before. You're helping. You're adding value. So 100%. You know, it's, um, I know we could go on for another hour or two right now, mm -hmm. but we've covered so much territory. What I want is to ask you if there was a takeaway, if there was something that you wanted everybody to remember from this kind of high stakes transformation for a company not just one that did a bunch of acquisitions, but a company that's constantly transforming, right? What would you leave with us 
in terms of the one thing that we should be remembering? Yeah, very good question. I would think it's kind of, I've, I may have two answers, but they're kind of related. So when you do such a transformation at such a pace, you know, sometimes you may be guilty of, of being a little bit in the hamster wheel. So you need to have a nose stall and, and sort of keep, keep your nose stall. And in that process, I also think you need to keep things simple because if you really think about things in a convoluted and, and, and kind of complex way, I mean, those things are going to break. Those things are not going to scale and, and you're not going to be able to address the next roadblock towards your, your transformation. So no store and keep things simple. I, I think I'm mm-hmm. uh, my guiding principle here. And I'm guilty, you know, Steve, I'm guilty of it sometimes and, you know, jumping too deep and getting my, getting the, my hands into, I don't know, data or specific problem. You know, you got it. You got to step back and, and keep the no star uh, and, and try to simplify things as much as possible. Uh, marketing is an art and a science and it's kind of complicated on its own right. Let alone if you, if you, you know, uh, set yourself into a position where practices or the way you're thinking about it is too complex. That is great. I love the North Star analogy. We always know we have to keep it simple because the process of keeping it simple prioritizes, right? And it, it, it keeps you focused. So thank you so much. Um, if there were follow-on conversations or questions that people had, would it be appropriate if I gave them a link to your LinkedIn profile? Absolutely, Steve. I'd be happy to uh, to uh, engage, you know, and uh, and continue the con- conversation. Whether it's again ABM scaling or transformation, happy to uh, go into those different areas. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you for all the insights that you shared here today. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Steve. Glad to be here. Thank you all.